thanks very much for that, ladies. That was really good. Thanks for that, Brother Glenn, also for that Bible reading. I do enjoy the way he, he reads the Bible. It always makes it more interesting, the story. It's really good. It's something on that verse in 2 Chronicles 16.9. Um, There's that one verse at the end there that tells us that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of, um, of those whose heart is perfect toward him. And um, when God looks down on us, when, God, when God's actually doing that and his eyes are going to and fro on the earth, wouldn't it be special if he was to actually stop on you and you caught his eye because you would, your heart was perfect toward him? That's what he says he does. His eyes are roaming to and fro. And I think what we all want is his eyes to land on us and notice us for the right reasons and not the wrong reasons. Finding favour with God and being noticed by him is what I want to talk about, being noticed by God. So being noticed by him, I think as Christians, should be paramount in our life because what could be more important in regards to our eternal um, results and even earthly results as, as being noticed by God? And we do know as Christians, if you have been saved for any length of time, um, we know that there's basics for pleasing God. First of all, you must be saved. That's pretty clear. John 3.16 tells us that firstly, you need to be saved. Salvation is through Jesus Christ and his finished work. That's the basic. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We know that. So this is the starting point. If you want to please God, you must be saved. And then we move on to prayer, worship, Bible study. Christians engage in prayer as a means of communicating with God. Regular prayer and worship, that helps us develop a closer relationship with the Lord and also to seek his favour. Studying the scriptures helps us to understand his word and therefore his will. His teachings are in his word, so if you understand his word, you then understand his will. And this guides our actions and our attitudes here on earth. These are the things that we do in secret that no one knows about. Matthew 6, 6 says, Be, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So there's a way that a Christian finds favour. And then we're moving on to obeying God's commandments. So I'm still on the basics here, obeying God's commandments. Christians strive to live according to God's commandments, following the principles outlined in his word. This includes loving God, and loving others as yourselves. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, keep my commandments. Repentance and forgiveness, another big thing. Christians recognise their imperfections and sins and will seek forgiveness from God. We should. Genuine repentance involves acknowledging wrongdoing, seeking forgiveness, and then making efforts to turn away from that sin. And in regards to forgiveness, we must forgive others, others as well, even when this forgiveness is not sought. A heart that won't forgive is a heart that's dwelling in the past and it's unusable for God. There's a barrier there when you won't forgive. We must forgive as we've been forgiven, as forgiveness creates a blockage in the relationship between ourselves and the Lord. John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Christians to find favour also should be serving others. We're called to serve others. We're called to show compassion, love and generosity. By helping those in need, we demonstrate exactly how Christ was when he was on earth and we please him. 
And in fact, when we're doing this for others, it's like we're doing it directly to him. Matthew 25, 40 says, And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. And then as Christians, as we progress and trying to find favour with God, we develop our Christian virtues and values. We must seek to develop virtues such as humility, patience, kindness, self-control. And by cultivating these virtues through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we then aim to align our lives and our wills with God's will. Galatians 5, 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So it's important to remember that finding favour with God is not about earning salvation. Okay, let's be very clear there. These are seen gifts, of the, the, and the favour of God is seen as gifts of His grace. We believe that God's favour is ultimately bestowed upon us through our relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's important to remember And His finished work on the cross for our sakes. So before I get more specific, um, let's just open in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for tonight, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you've given us your word that we can learn from, we can read and we can apply. We thank you for the blessings that come our way because of doing that, Lord. And Lord, I pray that tonight you'd help me. I pray, Lord, you'd just give me wisdom and clarity. And I pray, Father, that tonight... Um, your word will just be used to be able to help someone here, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So, getting more specific about being noticed by God, there are numerous, numerous instances in the Bible where people did things and God noticed them. Many men and women are recorded in the word, and that's for us to learn from. There's no doubt about that. They were blessed above and beyond the, their peers, those who are around them, and this is good motivation for us because we should find out why, why they were selected. God noticed them, and here are just some examples that you are all familiar of. In Genesis 15, think about Abraham's faith. So God noticed Abraham's faith when he believed God's promise that he would get descendants. Even though him and Sarah were so old and they were past childbearing age, he still had the faith to believe. God noticed that faith. Okay? Remember Moses' humility and his intercession for the people. In Exodus 3 and 4, God noticed, noticed Moses' humility when he called him to lead, lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Moses expressed his doubts and his insecurities, but regardless, despite that, God still used him and God saw his willingness and obedience to fulfill that task. Later on in Exodus chapter 32, we see Moses interceded for the people after they'd worshipped the golden calf and um, God spared them only because of Moses' plea. Now recall David's heart. In 1 Samuel 13, 14, God noticed David's heart when he rejected King Saul as king and he chose David instead. The Bible describes David as a man after God's own heart due to his deep love for God, his quick repentance when he sinned and his commitment to follow God's ways. And then in the New Testament, just think also on Mary's humility and her submission. In Luke chapter 1, God noticed Mary's humility and her willingness to be the mother of Jesus despite what that was going to cost her. When the angel Gabriel visited her with the news, she responded with, with faith and said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to thy word. These are things that God noticed. These examples illustrate to us that God notices various qualities and actions in individuals, such as obedience, faith, humility, intercession, and a heart that seeks after him. 
It highlights the importance of having a sincere and devoted relationship with God as well as living according to his will. Living according to his will is possible because God has laid out so much of it in his word. It's not a, you know, there's, there's some basics that you can just open your Bible and find straight away what you should be doing. It's not a mystery. One sure way you know that God's speaking to you is when you read his word and those words speak back to you. And there's some commandments in there, there's some principles, there's just some things outlined there that you know you're not doing. The Bible says you should be doing it. That's God talking to you right there and then. His word is his word. We act in wisdom and security when we obey his word. Plus, we, pr- we please God when we actively use his word to live by. This is honouring to him. If we neglect to study and purposely understand his word, what can end up happening is you start getting fooled by your own emotions and you start thinking it might be God talking when it's just your emotions. You might be fooled by others and perhaps they're self-serving or they're actually seeking your destruction. Perhaps they're disgruntled. And sometimes your own, your own fleshly desires overtake you, temptations. And um, all these things can be avoided by, by obeying God's word. We do not need to second-guess his word when the instructions are clear as well. We just need to obey because his word is the rock that we can build our life on. We can confidently use the Bible to make all decisions in um, all, all aspects of our life today in obedience. It can be applied in our relationships, our finances, our work life, our church life, every part of our family life. In fact, the Bible will perfect us in good works. It says that in 2 Timothy, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect or complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So when you do the Bible, that's what completes you here on earth, when you obey the Bible and actually live by it. Personally, there's been some Bible characters that have really helped me greatly. And sometimes I've used some of these prayers to model my own prayers, especially for loved ones, when there were times that there was no human help could assist me. I read the verse and I would pray the same way in faith, with the hope that the Lord will answer me likewise. In Genesis 25, 21, I remember reading this at night one time, and it said, And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife, because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. I read this passage. I prayed for my wife after we'd been married for a couple of years and we were without a child. I believe the Lord heard me and he gave us a child shortly afterwards. And raising our children has been instrumental in my faith building in God. As from that point we had children, I started a whole new journey of trusting the Lord. And seeking him and seeing him work in my family in many ways was just wonderful. It really was. In Mark chapter 5.22 it says, And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed and she shall live. This one is particularly personal for me. It was a reality during the time when Jen was pregnant with Ashley and the journey that followed after her birth. I rested in these scriptures. (laughs) And I obtained comfort. I'm so grateful for the Lord for his mercy in giving us his word. I really love that God puts these examples in the Bible for me to learn from. Despite my small faith, he moved and he's truly special and he proves his love towards us every time he answers our prayers. I owe him everything and he owes me nothing. 
It's just his great love that gives me more than I deserve over and over. And we must remember this. If you turn to Ezekiel chapter 14, there's three other people here that Ezekiel actually points out and highlights. The Bible singles out these people for aspects of their righteousness. So there must be some things that we can glean from what is said here. Are we able to replicate this righteousness to be also noticed by God as his eyes go to and fro on the earth? I see no reason why not. Ezekiel chapter 14 verse 12 says, The word of the Lord came again to me, saying, Son of man, when the land sinneth against me by trespassing grievously, then will I stretch out mine hand upon it, and will break the staff of the bread thereof, and will send famine upon it, and will cut off man and beast from it. Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. It's really interesting that these three men were picked. Why doesn't it say Abraham, Moses, and David? Why does it say Noah, Daniel, and Job? Two of those men weren't even Jews. Noah was before that time. Daniel and Job was before that time. But why did God select these three men? When we look at this, the rest of this passage here, God says that he will bring judgment upon the land. And even though these righteous men are in it, these righteous men would only deliver themselves. They can't deliver anyone else by their righteousness in this particular instance. They'll only deliver themselves. The three men mentioned Noah, Daniel and Job, and they're specifically mentioned as examples of righteousness and wisdom. Simply put, the verse says, if these three men, Noah and Daniel and Job, were in it, they'll only deliver themselves because of their righteousness. The obvious reasons here that these men were chosen as examples is because of their reputations for righteousness and their close relationship with God. Each of them demonstrated exceptional faithfulness and obedience to God in their respective contexts. Noah, who was chosen by God to build the ark and save his family and a remnant of every kind of land-dwelling animal from the flood, as described in the book of Genesis. Daniel was a prophet who remained faithful to God despite being taken captive by the Babylonians and faced many trials. Job was known for his unwavering faith in God, even in the face of intense suffering and loss, and with those closest to him saying he was at fault. Ezekiel was using these three men as examples to emphasise the point that even their righteousness was not enough to save others in times of severe judgement. It serves as a reminder that individual righteousness does not guarantee the salvation of others and each person is responsible for their own relationship with God. We'll look at a few verses about each of these men um, where God has seen fit to include just just some things about their character and the excellent traits that they had. Um, If you turn to Genesis chapter 6, we'll be there next. Like I've already mentioned, we could have chosen other characters for verses on righteousness and things like that, but God chose these three, so that's the three that we're going to look at. Something that's really important to note is these three men actually did save their own souls also. You think about it, Noah saved his own soul with a flood. Daniel saved his soul uh, from the lions. And Job saved his soul from the attacks of the devil. The devil was not allowed to touch his life. So these three men actually did save themselves. Noah was a good man that stood out amongst all who lived at the same time. 
probably one of the most well-known Bible characters. Movies have been made about him, mostly incorrect when you, if you have a look at them. But he is the central character when it comes to the flood. <clears throat> Genesis 6-7 says, And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Then look at the end of verse 9. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. And when you look at chapter 7, verse 1, it says, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. And Noah even gets mentioned by Peter in the book of Second Peter where it says, And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Daniel, we'll reflect on Daniel a little bit now. If you turn to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel was a young man taken captive by a foreign power. He faced many trials from a young age, but he was someone who purposed to do right. He stood out because of this fact. We have multiple verses that backs up Daniel's extraordinary faith. Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. In Daniel chapter 5, 12, it says, For as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams and showing of hard sentences and dissolving of doubts were found in the same Daniel. Daniel 6, 3 says, Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. Daniel 6.4 says, They could find none occasion or fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. And then verse 23 in that same chapter at the end it says, So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him, because he believed in his God. Some great verses there about Daniel. And now flick across to Job. Hopefully I won't get you turning too much more, but into Job. In Job, we see a man, he suffered immensely. He really did. And he didn't even know why he went through what he did. He just, he just bore it. He definitely stood out amongst his peers for his uprightness. And even under the severe trials, he never spoke evil about the Lord. Job 1.1 says, There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Verse 22 says, In all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Job chapter 2 verse 10 at the end says, What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. And at the end of the chapter, after Job had to sacrifice for his friends, it's in Job 42, The Lord said unto Eliphaz the Tamanite, My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends, for ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job hath. And then um, at the end of verse 9 it says, The Lord also accepted Job. I wouldn't mind that being said about me, I must say. <laughs> the Lord accepts me. <laughs> so if you get, find your way back to Ezekiel chapter 14, we'll stay there. Um, I, won't keep, I won't get you turning to all the other places. I'll read them. Back to Ezekiel 14. And when we go back to Ezekiel 14 and you read the verses from 12 through to 20, um, God mentions these three four times, okay? 
he mentions four different judgments, and after each judgment, he mentions these men again and says that they would be spared from each of these judgments because of their own righteousness. <clears throat> Ezekiel 14, 21. For thus saith the Lord God, how much more when I send my four sword judgments upon Jerusalem, the sword and the famine and the noisome beast and the pestilence to cut it off from man and beast. So that's sort of like the summary of the chapter. That's the four the four um, judgments that he was going to put on Jerusalem. So what can we learn from this passage? Four times in this passage we read that these men would save themselves only. Okay, four times. What practical takeaways can we see to apply to us tonight? First thing that I see is that being righteous like these men, it protects you on multiple fronts. So they'll protect it from four judgments. The same thing can apply for us. Now famine is one of the judgments that was pronounced there and that was a real danger to them there. Not so much for us today in regards to physical famines like that. But in Australia, we suffer spiritual famine. That's what we suffer from. Especially when we don't hear from God. We have no power of God in our life. We don't hear the Holy Spirit. We don't see prayers answered. You know, nothing's happening for us. Souls aren't being saved. That's a spiritual famine. <clears throat> being righteous gives you biblical vision. It gives you, the, gives you God's will. And it gives you results and allows you to work what God wants you in regards to his will. Proverbs 29.18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. So being righteous, studying his word, keeping his law, that's important like these men. Now noisome beasts, once again, not something that we really have to worry about. Now we've had foxes and you know, come and take our chickens. That's, that's, that's enough. Or the old snake might take something. But... Um, Nothing like these days. It was the Wild West back then. Think about David. He had to kill lions and bears as a teenager while he was protecting sheep. You know, I couldn't imagine having to do that. Um, and there's stories where lions took people, like that prophet, the disobedient prophet. He was riding home and the lion killed him. You know, Samson took out a lion. Lions were a constant threat. It wasn't, <laughs> it was a threat. Foxes destroyed vineyards. You know, they ate the grapes, believe it or not. I was surprised when I heard that, but they actually did. And they, they dig around, they destroy vineyards. They destroyed the work of men's hands. Locusts devoured crops, and there's nothing they could do about them. You know, bears attack livestock. <laughs> it definitely was the Wild West back then. So, but today, what attacks us? You know, I was thinking about that, but people can tend to try and attack us and our families. You know, even if it's a simple thing like hackers, you know, sending SMS messages and trying to get people to click links, take your bank account, the work of your hands. People are out there trying to get stuff, you know. They'd rather steal, kill, destroy than just work an honest day's um, labour. And when you are righteous before God, you can get protection from God. Proverbs 16.7 says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him doesn't say he takes away your enemies, unfortunately, but <laughs> he makes them at peace with you. So, and then the other, another judgment was a sword. Now, these men would save themselves from being slaughtered in battle. Okay, Daniel was. Daniel was taken captive. Well, many of his countrymen were slain when Nebuchadnezzar came. You might not think this won't apply to us, but I'd say a few years ago, that's what the people of Ukraine thought too. But it wasn't. Now look at, now look what they find themselves in. While the specific reference to the sword and all these other calamities mentioned in the verses may not have direct, direct applications for us right now, 
The broader message definitely highlights a need for spiritual discernment and obedience to God's commands. Christians can apply the principle by recognising that disobedience to God's will will lead to negative consequences in your life. I encourage you to examine your actions, align them with biblical principles, seek forgiveness from God if required, and make changes. James 1.25 says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, the Bible, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Okay? You want to be blessed? Just, uh, just read the word and do it. Then the fourth judgment, pestilence. Or sickness, plague, epidemic. Need I say more <laughs> after what we've just been through? Um, being righteous can give you protection from the effects of these things that it might have on our lives. God promises that. Living life according to God's will brings joy. And this can outwork in good health, literally. Proverbs 17.22 says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. Just being joyful in the Lord is actually a medicine. There you go, the Bible tells it. So, Being righteous today can spare you. Something else we notice with these men, and I've already touched on this, they'll only deliver themselves. They couldn't deliver their families. Everyone must have their own personal relationship with God. Their faithfulness only benefited themselves in this instance. Children, my children, all children, if you had godly parents, it doesn't mean that they're going to carry you to heaven or you're automatically going to get the blessings of faithfulness. Okay? Married couples, your godly spouse is not going to carry you into heaven. Church members, your pastor is not going to carry you into heaven. Make sure you have your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Make sure that your sins are covered by the blood of Christ, washed away. If you're saved, your own level of faithfulness will determine your own level of blessings from the Lord. Don't rely on others. You can do this yourself. And you can do for the cause of Christ at the level that God has put you these men were all recognised equally by God, but they were all at far different levels when you look at what they had to do in their life. Noah stood out against the whole world at that time. He was the only one. He stood out. Daniel stood out against his nation as, as the one who purposed to do right. Job stood out amongst his family and his friends as the one who was perfect. No matter where you find yourself in life, Wherever the will of God is for your life, you can stand and be counted and receive these promises that are found in his word by being righteous. It doesn't matter. If you're at work, you can stand out for God. If you're at school or uni, you can stand out for God. If you're at the home, you can stand out for God. It doesn't matter. Something else we see here is that a country is going to reach a point where their cup is full and they can't be saved. Okay? Only these three men would have been saved. It's interesting, it's interesting to see that Sodom and Gomorrah would have been spared for five righteous men, but not, this, not Jerusalem at this time. That's how bad they were. How close are we in Australia to reaching the point where our cup's full? I pray we're not close, but I fear we are. If you live righteously to the point where God notices you, you can be spared from some judgments that might come our way. It's in the Bible. Therefore, live as these men did to spare yourself. And following on, there's a couple of points in this man's righteousness that I think are the key to them being singled out by God. I thought long and hard about this. What, is, what, what are the things that these three men did that singled them out? Because you know, there's so many good characters in the, in, in the uh, Word of the Lord that could have been put here, but there's something specific about these three. 
One thing that stood out to me was that they were actively involved with, in, with intercession for other people. All three of them, they were interceders. Noah interceded for the whole world and he obtained the promise from God that the world was never going to flood again. Job interceded for his children firstly and he sacrificed just in case they had sinned. He then had to intercede for his three friends to save their life as well. Job was an interceder as well. Job secured their well-being because of his prayers and sacrifice. Remember Daniel interceded for the wise men of Babylon after they failed the king and he interceded. He asked for more time. He spared their lives. He also interceded for the children of Judah while whilst in captivity, praying to God that he would return them to the promised land. We can learn from this that living our lives for the good of other people is noticed by God. Because we act like Jesus when we do that. He was the ultimate for living for others. So when we're mirroring Jesus, that's always going to get you noticed by God. Jesus took a hit for the sake of others. And when you take a hit for the sake of others, God notices that. He likes it when we act as his son Jesus and we reflect that. These men were preachers to other people about the things of God. They spoke out the truth and they lived it. Just like in Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 13, he was willing to be spent for the Corinthian church. He was willing to do that. He was willing to spend everything that it cost for their sakes. And God notices that. These men all warned others about the coming judgments of God. They only said the things that were right about God. They refrained from saying things that were not from God. We can learn from this that we must be telling others about Jesus to be counted amongst those who will be noticed by God. That's something he loves when we do, his last commandment to us. There are things that we can apply, in summary, that we can do for others. Okay? It's not a long one tonight, so I'm, 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 I'm wrapping up now. But firstly, we can pray and intercede for others. Bring others before the Lord and their needs and watch the Lord supply your needs in return. I promise you it works. It does. Speak the truth to others. Tell others about Jesus. Warn others about the consequences of their sin, both on earth and eternally. Free others with the truth that has made you free. Also, be truthful in your day-to-day life. Let your actions line up with your words. Be a person of character. Be generous to others. This includes your time and your resources. Do things for people that you know that they can't return the favour. Have a loose grip on the things that God blesses you with so he can continue to bless you because he knows that you're going to be a vessel that's going to be used, so he's just going to keep giving. He always does that. Don't be a hoarder of everything that he gives you because that that flow to you will stop. Serve one another. Putting others first involves actively serving and helping others out of love. This can be done through acts of kindness, meeting practical needs, offering support when someone's going through a time of trouble, extending a helping hand to those around us. And bear one another's burdens. Be willing to come alongside and support others in their difficulties and in their challenges. We can provide comfort, encouragement and assistance to those who are facing hardships and offer a listening ear at the least and a helping hand to lighten their load. You can help bear one another's burdens. By serving one another, by bearing one another's burdens, demonstrating humility and preference for others, 
we can live out the biblical principles, principles as instructed in the Bible and you will absolutely be noticed by God. Not only that, not only will you be noticed by God, your life will be blessed tremendously. You will get the blessings here on earth as well as the eternal rewards for being noticed by God. There are many blessings being a Christian and being a favoured child of God and this brings a sweetness to your life that nothing else can deliver. So that's all for tonight. I'll pray and we'll finish up.